God said, I need somebody willing to get up before dawn, milk cows, work all day in the fields, milk cows again, eat supper, then go to town and stay past midnight at a meeting of the school board. So God made a farmer. My administration will be focused on three very important words. Jobs, jobs, jobs. This man must be a minister, a social worker, a diplomat, a tough guy, and a gentleman. And of course, he'll have to be a genius because he'll have to feed a family on a policeman's salary. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. We, the citizens of America, are now joined in a great national effort to rebuild our country and restore its promise for all of our people. Because today, we are not merely transferring power from one administration to another, or from one party to another. But we are transferring power from Washington, D.C., and giving it back to you, the people. Hold on to your seats. Buckle up for safety. You are now entering another dimension with The Scott Adams Show. And that's right. My name is Scott Adams. You're listening to The Scott Adams Show. And today we're joined by Leonor Cravota. Hello, Leonor. Good morning, Scott. So, uh, you know, we're back. We're back in Syria. Yeah, we're back in Syria. Wow. Didn't take long, did it? It didn't take long. What were they saying? It took only Joe Biden 36 days to bomb a country? I mean, it's Yeah, well, uh, you know, uh, Trump has signed more peace deals and peace accords then Trump, uh, then Biden is going to get us into wars, and that's pretty sad. Uh, that's sad on many levels, but it did not take long at all for that. And you know what concerns me is the inherent conflict uh, with with uh, our Department of Defense uh, D- Defense Secretary. Yeah. So Lloyd Austin stands for to profit from a new from a new Department of Defense contract with arms contractor Raytheon even after he promised to divest from Raytheon Holdings he acquired as a civilian so a new 49 million dollar contract was awarded to Raytheon last week just weeks after the company's former board member Lloyd Austin was confirmed as the new Secretary of Defense. The contract is f- uh, for engines for v- uh, vertical takeoff and landing aircraft. Austin joined the board of Raytheon. You know, it's always these Pentagon dudes that are joining these boards of these military contractors. Well, that's why they call it the mili- military-industrial complex. That's why we call it the swamp. It's just a s- revolving door between government and industry. So Lloyd Austin, the Secretary of Defense, as of 2020, his dis- has disclosed Raytheon stock and compensation holdings amounting to more than $1.4 million. It's good to be in government, yeah. I guess, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. it, you know, no wonder it's so expensive here in Washington. Yeah. Uh, because you get these gravy train con- Who's paying for that, by the way? The people. The people. The people in Kansas. 
the people in Wyoming, the people in Nebraska, the people in every state in the union. Yeah. They're all paying. And it doesn't matter whether you're Republican or Democrat, whether you're Jewish or or Catholic or Protestant. It doesn't matter what your persuasion is in life. Um, it, it what what does matter is that your tax dollars go into Washington, and you're trusting that they'll spend it correctly. But you get this guy who gets himself up the top of the brass. You know when he was working his way up through the military ranks. I wonder if he realized that he was doing this for the golden parachute. Because I know many, many successful businessmen that, you know, basically would love to have that kind of a a golden parachute, 1.4. This is a government job. Yeah, well, so government to serve jobs the people. used to be lower paying than industry jobs. Yeah, but because now you what's got that pension. But now what's happening with government jobs is the salaries are continuing to go up with them, so the costs of the government is is continuing to increase, and if, and the that makes the cost of living here and everything else more expensive. But who's paying for all this? The so taxpayers. Now, but he waited, see? So he waited to get the contract. Now, it's likely that he'll sell the Raytheon shares due to pressure because he promised during his confirmation hearing that he was going to get rid of them within a certain amount of period. So he made sure that they got the $49 million contract. And guess what? It's likely he'll sell his Raytheon shares at an inflated price due to the latest contract while in office as Secretary of Defense. So he's enriching himself personally through his public sector decisions. Hmm. Austin had pledged to liquidate his Raytheon holdings as soon as practical, but not later than 90 days after my confirmation, with progressive Senator Elizabeth Warren only voting for him after he made the pledge. Austin has also promised to rescue himself from from any decisions involving Raytheon for a full year following his confirmation. The Raytheon contract was awarded less than 20 days after his confirmation on January 22nd. You know, how's this, how do you stop that? I mean, it's always about, you know, you tell somebody what you really want to see happen. Mm-hmm. You know, you're the boss, right? You just got to be the defense secretary, right? Right. And you basically have a meeting and say, you know, I'd like to see us, um, have, you know, develop those uh kinds of machines that only a Raytheon engine can propel. <laughs> and and it's 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 uh it's the way things are done in Washington. You don't need to you don't need to do a you know one business one oh one quid pro quo. Hey you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. It it's done a lot more sophisticated than that. You know what the person really wants. Or you're smart enough to know what would make that person happy, and you know that if you'd make that person happy, they'll, in turn, do what? They'll try make to make you, you happy. happy. You right. scrub my back, I will scrub yours. You right, know? but it doesn't need the to be said. Approach. Hey, we don't need to. We don't need to. We don't need to talk about it the way it is. It's sort of like meat is murder, right? You're talking about meat is murder. You're like talking about the slaughter. Hey, I don't, I don't really need to talk about the slaughtering of the cow and how this cow is slaughtered. Uh, it's going to ruin my appetite when I go to Outback. Yeah. You know, I don't want to talk about the gory details. You know how like some people are straight. Well, that was Trump, actually. 
See, Trump was straight to the truth. Yeah. You know, he would basically call it how it is. It's like, I'm going to say Anchor Baby. Right. Yeah, Anchor Baby sounds well, good. Well, you know, the reason why he said that was it's such uh, an appropriate phrase because it's so bluntly honest. And it's brief. Whatever it's they were trying to honest. say at the end was like four, four uh, fr- paragraphs. The reason why people hated Trump so much, which, you know, we love Trump, but um, the reason why there were people on the left that just couldn't stand it is they loved that political correctness that censored people, that controlled people, that, you know, uh, had people uh, conforming to their, you know, their their set of circumstances. But it's one of these things where, you know, you got to call it what it is. This is this is nothing but a, a charade. A charade? Yeah, that's what they say sometimes in the business. You charade. mean when they're trying to sound sophisticated instead of saying charade, they say charade? Sure. Okay. Yeah, so that's uh, the military. So the Syria thing is, um, you know, we brought up the Syria thing, and, and it right away lent itself to military-industrial complex. You you might see Lindsey Graham complaining about this, but only because he knows that whatever he says will have no meaning because he's a minority. Uh, he's in the minority party, right. right? So, you know, there's that. I mean, basically that... Uh, um, Lindsey Graham had been wanting to, to been re, you know, upset, and he's been completely upset about Trump getting Trump getting out of Syria, right? Pulling out of Syria, and what people forget is Syria has a lot to do with Russia. You never hear that reported in the news. There's a naval base called Targus, and it's in Targus, and it's on the west coast of Syria. And back when the Assad family took over Syria in the 70s. It was like a kingdom. It was like a, you know, a family-owned plot of land. <laughs> they just took it over. And as soon as they did, uh, it was President Trump. I mean, uh, sh- sh- my, forgive me, uh, it wasn't President Trump. It was, uh, it was Russia. It was Russia that came in and married up with the Assad family. They saw an opportunity. What was the opportunity? They saw an opportunity to actually have a major presence in the Middle East. Because, you know, where we might have Saudi Arabia or the United Arab Emirates, or we certainly have Israel, right? Yeah. Israel, for sure. Turkey's part of NATO. So we have a lot of, you know, presence in the, and in, in Turkey's, you know, trying to pull away from all that. But, you know, but they're in NATO, so we kind of, have some control over them. But here's the deal. I mean, the deal is is that we have so much strategic presence in the Middle East, the United States, but Russia, not so much. You know, they had the conflict with Afghanistan. Probably they were trying to do something there, and they had Syria. They're never going to give up Syria. That would be the last... They have their largest, outside of Russia, their largest military complex their largest military base is their naval base in Targus in Syria. And just three years ago, they signed a new 50-year lease. Yeah. 50-year lease three years ago. Nobody talks about this stuff, and nobody's reporting it, and it should be reported because they know that, you know, Syria is, what are you going to do with Syria? Well, what are you going to do? You going to even if you win, you lose. And it's no wonder 
Then Lindsey Graham and John McCain would go around saying, Mother Russia's bad, Russia bad, you know. And then that's why they did the Russian hoax, and Russian killed, poisoned the spies in England, and Russia did this, and Russia did that. Meanwhile, we're so busy fighting the, the you know, defending the indefensible, really, because Russia's not a great, act, you know, they're not, they're not altar boys, right? Putin's not an altar boy. He's definitely a bad dude. So we're forced to defend a tyrant like Putin, right? Because, well, let's face it, Putin didn't do anything, or, or I mean, uh, Russia didn't do anything wrong here, and they're allowed to, to have that base. But to do that conflict, we know that we're never going to, Russia's never going to allow us to take over Syria or to get rid of the Assad family and destabilize Russia's presence in the Middle East. It's never going to happen. Remember Jamal Khashoggi? Jamal Khashoggi, uh, when he was murdered, he was murdered, uh, they said it was from Saudi Arabia, uh, probably some dissidents from Saudi Arabia, like the uh, Bint, uh, well, Bintalau and Khashoggi were all in bed together. They were also good friends with Bill Gates, but they hated the Solomon family, and the Solomon family strung him up in a hotel and shook him down. You know, King Solomon. So there was a conflict. But, you know, the Saudi Arabia that bombed uh, America on 9-11 is not the same Saudi Arabia today. Just like the, the uh, Obama regime is that different, you know, that far different from the Trump administration. So definitely you have different leadership and one socialist and, and uh, Marxist in nature. That would be Obama or Bin Talal and Jamal Khashoggi and Bill Gates and those types of people that hang out together. And then the Solomon family and and Trump. So there's different philosophies. But the idea, uh, I remember when Lindsey Graham was very upset about Jamal Khashoggi his death and somehow wanted to make an example and that was a reason enough for us to keep our presence in Syria. And when Trump wanted to pull out, there was these false flag attempts. And as soon as the false flag uh, attack would happen, they blamed Russia and it was fodder for people like Lindsey Graham to say, yeah, see, we should stay in. We should never leave if they're going to do this. We should stay there. So, it's a, it's a perpetual war, is what it is. It's perpetual war. It's just a way to keep the bullets flying, because those Tomahawk missiles are like what a million bucks a piece. So it's like every time they shoot one of those missiles up, and it blows up something, it doesn't really matter whether they kill somebody or not, because the Democrats don't care about murder. They don't care about killing people, so long as it advances an objective. They don't care about the southern border and the coyotes and the children that are being exploited. They don't care about the multinational corporations and the globalists exploiting the slave labor markets in in China. They don't care about the endless amounts of bloodshed in the Middle East so long as it proliferates and it, um, it extends the financing of their own interests 
the military-industrial complex, the natural gas, the oil coming out of Ukraine and being traded for um, uh, being traded for uh, drugs and weapons and all kinds of things. The the four currencies on the world stage. I mean, there are currencies on the world stage. It's military arms, natural gas, human trafficking, and drugs. Those are the four currencies. They don't trade in. They don't write you a check. Hey, I, who do I make the check out to? They don't do that. They have, and they trade in um, gold and well, silver. Well, nobody asks the question about when these children arrive here. How do they get here? I mean, they, nobody nobody asks about that. You know, did you hear? Um, I heard this uh, in in passing. It was like in the back uh, on TV, and they were talking about. I heard this, and yeah, I have to research it. But I heard that the increased spike in people trying to break through our southern border is at an all-time record yeah. high right now. Yeah, ever now. since Joe Biden became president, absolutely. Yeah. Because uh, the word is out that, you know, the floodgates have opened. Yeah, you know, so the, again, um, you know, the, there's a misperception that Trump put people in cages, not true. But there had to be a process for when these children come here. And now, now the liberals are trying to say that they're not ripping the children away from their parents. That's what Jen Psaki was saying the other day. But there still has to be a place where they go. You can't just put them out in the ether somewhere and and we still still have to understand why the children got here these children were more than likely trafficked in some way and why isn't that being investigated they're part of a cartel they've been these children have been exploited right right so i mean it's it's national security all the way around yeah uh you know um energy independence is national security national security uh, when we have energy independence it keeps us See, that's why they hated Trump so much, because Trump said, you know, sort of like Rodney Dangerfield uh, in Back to School. You know, he was in this business school where his name was on the building, actually. But he was like big and tall men sales, you know, conglomerate, right? He, had he was these not an Ivy League elite. Right. So he's in this Ivy League school. That he to, helped fund the building for. Right. right. And, and he's trying to get back in good graces with his son and... He never did get a formal education. And so Rodney, you know, he's a big businessman. He comes to town, super successful. And he's listening to this, like, British-speaking Ivy League, you know, highbrow uh, talk about, you know, what needs to happen to build a business. And he sits back and he says, oh, you missed a lot of stuff. <laughs> it's like the palm greasing, the mob, the the, the shakedown uh, from the corrupt politicians. And it's said tongue-in-cheek, but the funny thing about it is so many things uh, that he said are actually true. I mean, not that we're advocating for shaking people down, but the reality no. is so many things happen in terms of background deals. The corruption in Washington is just that. I mean, you know, every time a missile goes up, Every time, you know, uh, it's, it's, could you imagine? It's like what you could do with a Tomahawk missile that cost a million dollars. It's going to blow up a dirt hut. And you're like, okay, that's a million dollar missile, uh, satellite guided missile. And what, what do we, what, what do we just do? Yeah. I mean, think about that. That's taxpayer dollars, a million dollars, boom. Every time, boom. This is legitimate corruption. and, And they cost, Hundreds of millions of dollars, if not billions of dollars. We've spent at least a minimum of $6 trillion 
on um, just the military BS alone, right? And what do we got for it? What do we get in return? Well, we got really high-priced townhomes in Washington, D.C., where military-industrial complex operatives who work with lobbyists who control like puppeteers the politicians in Washington uh, all live in the high life. It's like legitimate ticket scalping because it's all sanctioned. It's all permitted. Meanwhile, there's uh, middle-class manufacturing spinning on a wheel like a mouse, uh, churning it out like butter and uh, churning the butter and working for, you know, small pay, trying to live the American dream. Meanwhile, it's being stolen from them, and that's what how we have to look at it. Right. And when we look at this coronavirus bill that's uh, going to be voted on, it's filled with so much pork, and very little of it has anything to do with combating the coronavirus. Right. And, and you know, I just was hearing um, Obama was hanging out with Bruce Springsteen, and he was talking about reparations, right? And um, it's another one where we spent, I'd say, I, I've heard different numbers, but uh, I've heard upwards of $15 trillion since the Civil Rights Act and since affirmative action and social welfare and all these different uh, programs to support and help black people. And so President, uh, former, uh, I mean, uh, Hussein Obama, right? Um, basically, uh, he was asked a question, I think, by Bruce Springsteen uh, about... Um, do you think uh, there needs to be reparations in? He said, "Yes, I do." Yes, right? I do. And so you uh, got the accent down. So Larry Elders came on, and what he said was, I let, "And Larry Elders is black." Larry Elders is black, conservative, and again, it's not about skin color; it's about political ideology and how we look at problems. And so Larry Elder said, "Yeah, I think reparations would be a good idea if you were a slave." But last I checked, there are no more slaves living today. Right. There were slaves, and if they were still alive today, I only add this in because it's Black History Month, but if they were still alive today, then they would be eligible. They would probably win a court case and be eligible for reparations. Well, and and this has happened. There's been history that's been proven where some reparations have been given to descendants of slaves or descendants that were the victims of Nazism. You know, some some of this yeah, has, is part of our history. Where does it end? Because, you know, I'm a Native American. We were, you know, disenfran- you know, disenfranchised from our own country, you know, and we were uh uh, discriminated against. So I can make that argument all Anybody day long. Anybody could make that argument. And, and uh, I can say, yeah, if my pappy was uh, a Rothschild, I'd uh, be better off. I'd, you know, maybe if I was a part of the uh, uh, royal family, I would be rich. Yeah. You know, but I'm not. You know, I'm a descendant of an American Indian chief, right? So, yeah. I mean, the idea here is that. Where does it end? Where, well, that's where does, exactly where does it. it. Where, does, where it, does it end? Where does it end? And I was born we, into poverty, so therefore, you know, I should have more. Yeah. Now, I actually wasn't you born You weren't into, born into poverty. but I wasn't. I'm not right. saying I was. But what I'm saying is I'm talking about the yeah. people in the Midwest. I'm talking about white people, uh, Hispanic people, any people. But you know what? There are plenty right? of people out there who would never 
think that the government should be bailing them out. They would think what they want is a right to work, Just a right to earn a living, a right to provide for their family, a right schools. to happiness, and bit better schools but is a big we thing. Keep, we keep sending these million-dollar million tomahawk missiles into dirt huts in Syria. Right. And, and why not take that million dollars and buy new books? Uh, build better libraries, uh, and, whatever. And with, and with you know? the schools, just real quickly, I mean, this continues to be a real debate, uh, particularly in, in the light of, uh, light of COVID, because you've got a situation where so many schools, public schools, have not gone back yet. And you and who are suffering? The children are suffering because the children that are attending uh, public charter schools or attending parochial schools or attending private schools, they're in some type of hybrid model where they're spending some of their time in the classroom. The children that are in many of the traditional public schools are still in a scenario where they're doing Zoom from home, and there have been scenes of children trying to sit on sidewalks of businesses to get Wi-Fi because they don't even have Wi-Fi at home to try to do their homework. This is not the way it should be, certainly not in America. Our children belong in school. So Jim Jordan uh, tweeted this out. He says, Democrats, defund the police, open borders, and close schools. Yeah. And, you know, this whole COVID thing, Fauci is getting a lot of hate now, right? He's, the, things are starting to turn against him. He's not going to know what hit him. but He won't be people's most popular man anymore. Oh, let's hope not. But, <laughs> you know, the, the idea here is that um, people are getting really sick and tired of all of these draconian measures. And now with, you know, Andrew Cuomo and Governor Whitmer from Michigan being exposed for the frauds that they are, the murderous... Uh, the murdering people that they are. They made boneheaded decisions that resulted in thousands of people's lives being lost And in Como's case, he tried to cover it up. Now, Como's getting it all over the place right now between, oh, the, yeah. between the situation with the nursing homes, which is horrible, and how he tried to cover it up. And then, of course, now these allegations from Lindsay Boiling, who said that he um, sexually harassed her. And there's beginning to be corroboration of this. And she is being she's coming across as a very credible complainant but of course is you, you mean governor out, nipple rings is is a uh, harassed women sexually well he said something about he kissed her on the lips and said let's play strip poker but where is the outrage and i know you've got some tweets on your uh, twitter feed you know where, where there's a montage of uh, liberal females who were all outraged about brett kavanaugh a few years ago and they all came out and everybody had yeah, the to squad everybody had to, where's the squad everybody had to immediately um believe christine ford Maisie Hirono, remember Maisie what she Hirona. said? But Trust you, all women, but step it up. But if you juxtapose the way, the verbiage back three years ago with Kavanaugh, where everybody was attacking Kavanaugh, immediately believing Christine Ford, whereas right now what you have a situation is everybody's defending Andrew uh, Como and dismissing Lindsay Boiling. They're not, you know, the, the verbiage, the way it, the sentence read is that he denied the allegations versus she came <coughs> forward with it. You know, the mm -hmm. onus is, you know, the woman is the woman is being attacked in the press for her own credibility. Why didn't that happen three years ago? Where there's a double standard once again. Right. And just to finish up with uh, Syria, uh, it said, just in, U.S. had carried out strikes against Iran 
backed militia in Syria in an operation approved by Joe Biden. So 17 people got killed in that uh, attack. I said, welcome back to endless and meaningless conflict in Syria. Everyone knows this conflict is making corrupt politician, like, politicians like Lindsey Graham and his military industrial complex cronies rich. Russia will never let Syria fall. It's their strategic base in the Middle East. Um, and then um, also people are talking about Joe Biden's mental capacity because they, they claim, you know, Joe probably didn't even know that they struck Syria. It was somebody else that did it. Yeah. Who is it, though? Who's running this country? Because I feel like we're on autopilot and there's no one in the captain's booth. You know, there's no captain at the front of the plane. That's a really good analogy. And, you know, they've talked about taking the nuclear codes away from Joe Biden, which would be a dangerous precedent. And what would they be doing is you're you're undermining the concept that the president is the commander in chief. What are they going to start doing now? We're going to start organizing committees and groups to make military decisions. I mean, and then everything will get bogged down and will be perceived as a weak country, not the superpower we're supposed to be. I'm, right. I'm certainly not saying that Joe Biden should have been the president, but if he is the the president we are not supposed to be stripping him of the officer's I, duty i hear yeah. there's an issue with that that's not constitutional i hear he's not putting in full days you know that whole thing that came up with jen Psaki and the sentry and the marine yeah you know should be always standing out post uh, outside of the oval yeah. office um and he they wasn't there and yet biden was supposed to be in the oval office um, people are suggesting that he's putting in some really short days and that the reason why the State of the Union address was canceled wasn't because of national security concerns like they lied about and said that somehow there were security concerns in Washington, D.C. Trust me, you, you go into D.C. every single day. You'll be there in about I'll be there two, in a little an bit. Hour. In about an hour, uh, yeah. And there's nothing going on in D.C. with regard to protests, right? No, there isn't Zero. anything right now. And you know what? They they so fortified the Capitol area. And by the way, why can't he do a State of the Union as a Zoom address? I mean, he can do that if there's so, you, and you have a limited audience. This is nonsense. This is just an excuse. So let's take a listen to Matt Gates, who uh, really has positioned himself as being one of the biggest Trump loyalists which is going to bode well for him politically uh, down the road. You watch. A Sleepy Joe wasn't just a political nickname. It appears to be a governing strategy for the Biden administration with short days lacking sufficient rigor to lead a great country. You look at a growing number of Democrats who are now concerned about giving Joe Biden the codes for the nuclear system. I'd be concerned about giving Joe Biden the code to my garage door opener but this is about more than just one man. It is about the presidency. It is about the doctrine of peace through strength that we talk a lot about on this program. And I oppose this letter because I do believe that no matter who the president is, they have to be vested in the authority to be commander chief, to take care of the country, even if it is Joe Biden during nap time. Joe Biden during nap time. So, so in other <laughs> words, Matt Gates agrees with me and what I just said, yeah. or I agree with Matt Gates because that the point is we have a president who serves as the commander in chief. We cannot be diluting the role of the presidency, uh, you know, and this is why um, becoming yeah. the president, the race for the presidency, the campaign, the whole vetting process is so rigorous is because you want somebody who's up to the task. If Joe Biden is up not up to the task and we're now having buyer's remorse which is what it looks like well shame on the democrats that they right. allowed this to happen right 
So, um, breaking uh, exclusive over on the Gateway Pundit, police lieutenant who shot and killed Ashley Babbitt, lead murder suspect in Ashley Babbitt case. Okay. So then Disclose TV says, Justin, acting U.S. Capitol Police Chief Pittman, says militia groups want to blow up the Capitol and kill as many members as possible when Biden delivers his State of the Union address in, in Congress. But, you know, that doesn't fly with me because, you know, militia groups and they call them militia groups and white supremacists and all this, that and the other. Um, and I posted here on Facebook, still trying to figure out why white supremacists stormed the Capitol allegedly to put Mike Pence, the whitest guy ever, in zip-tie handcuffs and take down the U.S. Senate that's 98% white. It's very confusing. It doesn't make any sense to me Does that make any sense to you? Uh, It does not make any sense to me. Tim Young tweets, Biden isn't healthy enough to stand in front of a Congress for 60 to 90 minutes and give a State of the Union speech. And Democrats know it. That's why... They're running cover for him. And they also know that he should not, he doesn't have the mental capacity to uh, handle the nuclear football. And when you get a guy like Ted Lieu that's writing up a report that says, I don't think that one man should have access to the nuclear football, it's crazy. Now I want to get to the Equality Act. Uh, That's another big issue. Yeah, that's uh, a big issue. Yeah, because apparently what's happening now is the House of Representatives is scheduled to vote on the Equality Act, which is a bill that would amend the Civil Rights Act to prohibit discrimination based on sexual orientation or gender identity. Let me first say that I thought that the Civil Rights Act had already been um, amended to prohibit discrimination based on sexual orientation because you see that in a lot of organizations they say, you know, they talk about how they don't discriminate against people based on race, uh, sex, age, uh, disabilities, etc. And I've seen sexual orientation. So that one I'm, I'm a little surprised about. But they're now bringing up gender identity. So they're getting extremely specific. Right. And before we do that, let's take a caller. Uh, caller, you're on the air. Hello, is that me? Yes, it is, sir. Hey, good morning, guys. Good morning. Hi, what's, hey, your I, name, what's, your name, what's your name and where are you calling from? I'm Greg, uh, California. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I think he's not doing the State of the Union because he, he has not made one public appearance. I don't even think he's in D.C. Wow. Yeah, well, it's entirely possible. Has anybody seen him? physically in D.C.? Well, he was just at the vaccine thing uh, event. He was sort of staggering around the stage. He walked off, and it was um, uh, Steve Ducey's son, Peter Ducey, uh, that uh, was asking some questions and being chased off by White House staff. Mm. So that would imply that maybe... so bizarre it is it's it's a virtual reality it's surreal it's uh it is what it is that we're having to deal with as a country right now but um i will tell you that it's uh the truth is going to come to to bear the truth is going to come to light we're we're working i think there's so many people working on 
exposing the truth because there is a big, huge underbelly here of corruption. Everybody knows it. And they can't put a finger on it because every time they say something about it, they're accused of being a conspiracy nut or, you know, or uh, they don't have uh, proof. And this is either the greatest hoax in history or it's going to be revealed for what it is. Exactly. Yeah. Well, All right, guys. Thank you for calling in today. Love the show. Yeah, thank you. All right. Take thank care. You. Take care. Take care. Bye-bye. So All we right. were we were talking about um, the Equality Act and 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 adding uh, gender identity and sexual orientation under the protective status. And again, the gender identification has just become such a talking point, and largely for. The two coasts. It's not really, if you really talk about, you know, you and I have had this conversation before when we talk about, you know, what percentage of the the American population is homosexual. That's a relatively low percentage. Actually, per- yeah, do you know that number? Because yesterday I quoted it as like less than 10%. Uh, I can look it up, but I think it's about, it's around, uh, let me look it up. I've, but, uh, but, the, but the population that is transgender is even much lower. Well, it's yeah. like one one point four percent or something, right? And yeah, not even. something like that. It's it's ridiculous, and and you know you can make the argument and say, well, in our country, the reason why our country is so successful is because it's it's that population that represents one point four percent of the population that needs the most protection. Yeah, I got I got that argument. You're right. That's a that's a that's an argument you can make, but in this case. It's about also the science and it's the facts and, you know, there's a lot of other things that are being misconstrued. Yeah, so what um, I was about to say about the statistics is they say that in articles that were written, I'm, I'm looking at something that was written in 2019 about how we overestimate the homosexual population and say that it's something like 23%, when in actuality it is closer to um, 4.5%. They go back to what, Gallup. That's homosexuality is less than le- something like less that. Less than 5%? Yeah, based on based on how a person would, would self-identify, you know, if they would identify as being oh, lesbian, wow. homosexual. It's it's again. It's going to be higher okay. in certain areas, but it's no, not we'll, as we'll, high as the perception. Talk about the nation, but you talk about yeah, the we nation. We can't talk it's, about New York no, and course, San Francisco. But uh, but the nation itself, it's going to be. It's much closer to around you know around the five percent range when you actually talk about people who self-identify as such. Right. All right. Well, we got a buddy of ours, Pat Kneen, online. Uh, welcome to the Scott Adam Show, Pat. Good morning. How are you two today? Pretty good. Good morning. Good, good. Hey, before I jump into State of the Union, um, I, I want to ask you a question. In all your life or my life, all our lives combined, have you ever seen a first lady talk so much for the president in a formal setting? No. No. I mean, she's actually sitting there dictating policy at times on behalf of the president. That's, wow. un- that's unprecedented, is it not? Right. He's sick. He's got a mental condition. Even Hillary Clinton didn't talk There's this no much. There's no doubt about it. No, yeah, he's talking about Jill uh, yeah, I, I yeah. know. Yeah. <laughs> no, but my, my point is saying is you I, had I thought, a very aggressive first lady under Hillary Clinton, yeah. and she didn't speak this much. Yeah, that's right. And I thought I was exactly. thinking about Kamala Harris for a second, but then I was like, first lady. Oh, yeah, I got to get my head straight. Well, you're confused because yeah. she, you, they're calling it the Biden-Harris administration. Right, right. <laughs> exactly. 
it's funny. I, I've got a lot of people that I've been talking to that are also concerned about what's going on with the State of the Union. But I want to just give a little background. The Constitution only provides that or asks that the president informs Congress on a periodical level uh, or times the State of the Union. He's not. There's no requirement to make a public statement. Although George Washington did, was the first one to do it in 1790, followed by Jefferson. By the time, uh, and I'm not here to give you a, a history lesson, but but, uh, or excuse me, by the time Jefferson came in, he mailed it in. He was the first president to mail it in, and nobody gave a public State of the Union until Wilson did, in uh, in his administration. So it's it's not uncommon. And in fact, the last president to do so was actually Jimmy Carter did it in 1981 a couple like a week before reagan took office so the idea that we all have to expect a public uh, speech is actually not something that's a, a warranted under the constitution it's just a requirement on the president to report to congress hmm. okay just a little background there all right thank now, you I'm gonna, now you you guys are going to go. You said you're about to take this show another direction. I'll get. I'm going to go off the phone and listen. All right. Okay. All right. Take care. We'll Pat. Talk to you later. Right. Thanks Thank for you. calling in. All right. Take care. Yeah, I talk with Pat uh, from time to time uh, over the phone. So, what direction were we going in? Do you have well, our roadmap? I got, I got a lot going on. I'm, I'm, we're actually running behind schedule here. <laughs> um, so it's like Biden isn't healthy. Uh, Oh, no. Okay, so so Sean Davis writes this. Boys and girls are biologically distinct. Boys and girls are different, and those differences are why life exists. Girls can get pregnant and give birth. Boys can't. Uh, these are immutable laws of nature. To deny these simple self-evident facts is to deny reality. And Ali Beth Stuckey said, Sex is determined at the moment of conception. Isn't that amazing? From that moment forward, every cell in our bodies is gendered. This cannot and does not change by declaration or identification. And um, and then uh, I wanted to get to some video that, or some audio that we have. Um, so first one is Ram, Ram Paul. Rand Paul, yeah. and this is with regard to Rachel Levine, who yeah. is who, who has been nominated to be the Assistant Secretary of Answer Health. Answer the question. The question is a very specific one. Should minors be making these momentous decisions? For most of the history of medicine, we wouldn't let you have a cut sewn up in the ER. But you're willing to let a minor take things that prevent their puberty, and you think they get that back? You give a woman testosterone enough that she grows a beard, do you think she's going to go back looking like a woman when you stop the testosterone? You have permanently changed them. Infertility is another problem. None of these drugs have been approved for this. They're all being used off-label. I find it ironic that the left that went nuts over hydroxychloroquine being used possibly for COVID are not alarmed that these hormones are being used off-label. There's no long-term studies. We don't know what happens to them. We do know that there are dozens and dozens of people have been through this who who regret that this happened and a permanent change happened to them and you know if you've ever been around children 14 year olds can't make this decision in the gender dysphoria clinic in england 10 percent of the kids are between the ages of three and ten we should be outraged that someone's talking to a three-year-old about changing their sex i can't Great. vote for you if you can't thank make you a so much senator so that was really i thought those points he made 
were the most brilliant points of the day. Yeah, and well, three or a three-year-old is discussing a sex change. I mean, yeah, of course we should be outraged. Here's what Rand Paul is asking about. Rachel Levine, uh, this dude, Rachel. Right. Uh, that has like a three day beard or whatever, and then blonde hair, and yeah, yeah. The, the, the hair is dyed blonde. This is a person where I agree in America we should accept everybody. Well, of course. And I think that there ought to be laws and, and you know, for intoler- against intolerance. And I think that, uh, that people like Rachel Levine um, should be accepted in society as. As you know, equal, right? Absolutely, and and a full person, and everything else, right in between. But to suggest then that this person who doesn't even know what sex they are, or is is having trouble figuring out who they are physically and genetically, uh, to put them in charge of three hundred million people, and have them push their nonsense, on you know, it's one. It's bad enough to be you know, psychologically uh, disoriented. But it's another to put them in charge. You know, we need to we need to pave the way to help handicapped people or psycholo- psychologically disturbed people. But w- what we cannot do is we cannot promote these people because of who they are. Well, well, I want to play this clip. Well, let me just make a point real quickly. The point is, Rachel Levine is an adult. A child is not in a position to make a decision. Oh, absolutely. And that's a, a, yeah. That to me is child abuse is what I call that. Um, And then I see John. I'm going to pick that up in a second. Mental health issues during that time. The previous treatment uh, before these new guidelines came about were... That's when you're 18 and have a nice life. Basically, there were no medical, there was no medical treatment for individuals that were under 18. So there are new guidelines, and so these are the new guidelines that are very well accepted by by um, healthcare professionals. Uh, they are international guidelines, and most children's hospitals um, will be doing this. I did this. At Penn, I would treat patients at Penn State Hershey. Medical Center, when I was there, I think they're trying to find someone to, uh, to, to do that. Uh, probably the biggest program um, near here is at Children's Hospital of Philadelphia in the Penn system, uh, and they have an excellent clinic for transgender youth. So for, for pre-pubertal children, there is no medical treatment. Well, that kind of makes sense. I mean, they're pre-pubertal, so they don't really have clinical levels of sex hormones, so what medical treatment would you want to do? So the idea would be to see a counselor or a therapist who is supportive, who has knowledge about these issues, to, um, you know, come, you could some see me medically, and then depending on their age, come see me in a year or two, but there's no, nothing medical to do. So the protocol was developed in the Netherlands has two phases. The first phase in, at the young adolescent age is to give what are called a pubertal blocker, to give a medicine to block the progression of puberty so you don't go through the wrong puberty and then to continue some counseling, and then somewhere between 14 and 16 years of age to start slowly cross-gender hormones. Under 18, and they're not an emancipated minor, meaning if they're under 18 and they are on the street or they're completely emancipated from their parents, then you can do treatment. I can reassure you that Governor Wolf and our administration are very completely supportive for LGBT individuals and, and programs and transgender individuals. That way, for a transgender woman, 
male to female, they don't, their voice doesn't drop, they don't have hair, they don't have to have electrolysis. For a transgender man, they don't have breast development that will need surgery, they don't have periods, et cetera. So you block puberty, and then you can, um, with the appropriate time, send them through the puberty consistent with their gender identity. That's that dude, uh, Rachel Levine. Who Birth name at, Richard. Sp- speaking at Franklin and Marshall College. Hmm, nice, so, so Rachel, good school. Yeah, Rachel Levine's birth name was Richard, by the yeah. way. And he has, she has two children from when she used to be a man. All right. So, wow, really? Yes. <laughs> we're going to bring John in. John, uh, welcome to the Scott Adams Show. Well, the sex change really paid off for Rachel. I mean, she is smoking hot, you have to admit. Uh, I mean, my God. I, that, that's the argument against sex changes. Anyway, um, yeah, so, well, first of all, these people are monsters. When you, when you look at this, look, don't take the eye at the, off the ball, is, is my advice. The big picture is, well, A, there's a lot of moral confusion out there. There's an uh, anything-goes mentality which prevents people making, from making sound judgments, which says, yes, converting your sex is fine, and they, they really don't care. This is, this is uh, foolishness in, in one very profound sense, and being reckless. Because many people do end up regretting this, uh, apparently later on as, as they get older. Uh, there's a profound, uh, there's a large number of uh, young men and women who make the sex change who end up regretting it later. It's apparently a terrible problem. And it's not fixable at that point. Right, absolutely. So why not wait, particularly for young people? It's yeah. completely irresponsible. Most people can't make responsible decisions until their mid-20s, at least, frankly, um, number one. Uh, number two, I think the bigger picture is this is just the effort to push cultural Marxism that we have spoken of several times before. You attack Christianity, you attack, attack Western civilization. And they see that in breaking down the barriers uh, or the the sort of the the ramparts, uh, the, the columns that support Western civilization, sort of creating a new society out of whole cloth, and they don't really think about what comes next. But if they destroy the temple, they can move to the next phase. They can create something new. That's I think what's really driving this um, this frenzy. I, I don't see any. I think that's the main reason here. That's the big picture. What's driving all this? And you know, you, you mentioned homosexuality. Homosexuality is even less common, I believe, than uh, Leonora says. I remember in college, you know, reading some number, it was like 16% for females and 10% for males. It was just ridiculous. And so I started, you know, we started talking on the dorm floor. I'm like, wait a minute. We, out of the 50 people here, I, and, you know, we, maybe you can think of one person who maybe two people. You really couldn't think of any. And then they came out with numbers later. It was funny. It's like, yeah, I kind of figured that. It's like one or two percent. I think the number is closer to one or two percent, and that's for homosexuality or lesbianism. If you're talking about transgenderism, it is a fraction of a fraction of a percent. It's yeah. exceedingly small, which is why they think they can do this without a cost because they figure, well, you know, uh, it won't matter, and no one's going to use those bathrooms. And in general, they don't, but they get to parade around and hang out in West Hollywood and be feted as a hero. I think that's really what underlying all this. Right, I absolutely. I think in private, a lot of these people are laughing at this. Yeah. Oh, they are. Uh, and, and, you know, it's almost tongue-in-cheek. How could you take that person seriously? Just look at that person, you know, I mean, th- what they've done to themselves. It's sort of like taking somebody like, you know, with absolute um, horrific 
plastic surgery on their face that they've done to themselves and put them in charge of, you know, plastic surgery commission, you know. Uh, it's just it's absolutely stunningly stupid. You put the they, science project in charge. Y- yeah, you, you know, you put Frankenstein in charge of, uh, uh, m- you know, per- mutilation of whatever it is. It's genital mutilation. You know, it's it's crazy stuff. I agree. Hey, thanks, John. Uh, we yeah, got a, um, well, uh, one more clip we have okay. to play before the end of the show. But sure. n- nice talking with you again. Likewise. All right. Bye. Take care. So I want to listen to um, this uh, Marjorie Taylor uh, Green about. Uh, creating a country where they could run their businesses and not be overtaxed by a tyrannical government. But now we find ourselves in a time where Democrats are running, indeed, a tyrannical Congress and federal government under Nancy Pelosi, Joe Biden, and the rest of the woke Democrats that now are defying science, defying God's creation, and only care about governing over people's feelings. You see, the Equality Act is a completely evil, disgusting, immoral bill. It's not about stopping discrimination. It is creating it. It's creating discrimination against every single woman and girl in this country. Over the past century, our great-grandmothers, our grandmothers, our mothers fought for women's rights. And the Equality Act, with a single vote, wipes it out. Every single person should be outraged at this bill. You should be angered. You should be concerned for the safety of all the little girls that are going to go in a bathroom not knowing if there is a man in there that calls himself a woman. You should be angered for every girl that competes in sports like my daughter, who we traveled the country with for 10 years so she could earn her scholarship to be a D1 collegiate athlete and compete in sports. Boys that want to call themselves girls do not belong in my daughter's bathrooms, in my daughter's locker rooms, on my daughter's playing field, traveling with her team where she's forced to share a hotel room with them. No. They don't belong. They should get their own sport. That's a good point. And Very then, good point. Uh, yeah, and then the other thing I want to say, the Democrats are doing this to divide Americans yes. and to solidify voter blocks, just like they've done with black people, like we talked about Larry Elders, right? Well, the idea here is this, that they want to divide America. They say, well, white people are going to have to pay for reparations for black people yep. who were never victimized uh, by slavery. So Larry Elders was suggesting if you're, still, if you're still alive and you were a slave in the 1800s, you know, fine. You're entitled. The, the point is, is that by creating a division, it, it st- destabilizes racial harmony. Yeah. It creates a division in our country. And what ends up happening at the end of the day is that they put two, part, two different philosophies against each other, which solidifies their voter base. Because, you know, just like, you know, um, the Democrats will support Maduro uh, in a socialist dictator in Venezuela, simply because President Trump opposed it, that it's that kind of mentality uh, that basically does that. Anyway, we're at the end of our show. Uh, my name's Scott Adams. My name's Leonor Cravetta. And you're listening to The Scott Adams Show. Be sure to check out scottadamsshow.com for our podcast. 
We'll see you next time on the radio. Bye-bye now.